Well, hello. Welcome back. You hear the difference? That's the sound of professional audio podcasting equipment, folks. It's finally here. Holy shit. It took a little while. I got one set up. I got all roadcaster stuff. That's what everyone has told me to get as far as a soundboard, mics, the whole nine. So I got on Amazon, of course, because that's the easier way to do it. <clears throat> and I got a bundle package. The first one was a bundle. Um, it was like a four-piece podcasting set. I got it, and it didn't have the SD card, which whatever, but that that's what the memory and shit in the board, so it didn't have that. And then the uh, the boom arms for the mic didn't even come. And then when they showed up a few days later, they were just like, I don't know. I just, I wanted good stuff. A buddy of mine, Matt, always tells me, buy ones, cry ones. And he's right. But it does cost a little bit more to get the good stuff. So that's what I did. I sent back that four piece because I, and then I thought about that too. Like, yeah, it'd be cool to have extra mic and headphones and everything. But I don't know, man. It's going to take a while before I want four people in here talking. So. I sent the four-piece back um, and ordered a two-piece set. This one is the motherfucking Rodecaster Pro 2. I don't even know the words. Apex processing. I mean, this thing is legit. It's pretty cool. It's got all these uh, sample sounds and weird stuff that I don't even... I don't even mess with most of it. I don't have the fader up either. So anyway... um. I just kind of turn all those off because I don't want to accidentally press something in the middle of a show. But So now I've got the Rodecaster board, Rodecaster mic, or Rode mics, Rode boom arms that clamp down to this desk I got. The It's a Sure mic. I'm sorry. It's a Sure mic and headphones. Everything's all comfy and sounds great. I did a little... uh just kind of a warm-up demo episode with my youngest daughter last night, and it was a lot of fun, and she kind of had a blast doing it. So just to check things out, dude, the tech on this whole thing, like I've told you guys, is it had me just buckled. Like, it was to a point, and I'm, this is just who I am, but <clears throat> it had me, like, doubting that I even wanted to do this anymore and it's like it's not that difficult so I had my buddy Jason from the museum come up he's the guy there helped me out setting up some tech and when I got this board in he came and helped me <clears throat> uh, I had to go to a new hosting site I was using a different one and now I went to Podbean Jason's familiar with that site so I'll be able to get some help with that but last night I podcasted with my youngest daughter for a little while. I was successfully, you guys are going to, this is a joke, but I was successfully able to record a pod, record like an hour and 15 minutes we did, just talking about school. <clears throat> I recorded all of that. I was successfully able to export it from the board to my laptop. Oh shit! What else? Then you so you export it, then imported it to <clears throat> the uh, the editing software that I downloaded. Jason helped me download. Then, like 
exported. I, mean, I was actually able to figure out how to do some stuff after I had seen it happen. So, of course, I got help with it. But I was pretty pumped about that. So I'm going to keep working on this and, uh, you know, making it a little bit better, trying to keep the editing kind of down. But it was kind of wild to be able to play with it all. So, so the new hosting site I went to, Podbean, I got, and I know this is easy for everybody else, but I actually uploaded the same photo of Echo, the little puppy that you saw on the Instagram um, page and um, on Spotify, which this one's going to come out on Spotify too. <clears throat> so what happens, excuse me, man, my throat. What happens is you send it to the hosting site, Podbean, and then Podbean, you can... A, you link social media up with that, which I got all Alicia's stuff uh, hooked up to that. I, I got off of all the social media. I know I was on there for a couple weeks. I don't like it. I never really did. I just wanted to kind of share this podcast with people, but I don't like the whole thing. So I got off of it, and she is going to let me just run all of this through hers, my wife, Alicia. Uh, so that's the way we're going to do it. <clears throat> but when you upload this thing to whatever show you're doing up to Podbean, it is called the hosting site. So then it takes it and it spreads it out to, um, you know, Amazon, Spotify, Apple. I, I don't know exactly all that Stitcher, all that shit. So you kind of record, edit or not, and then send it to them and they get it out there. So it's, it, they make it a lot easier that way. So that's pretty cool. Um, I got. I had to sign up for the golden member. I'm a golden member of uh, Podbean now, so they put it out more. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to finally be sitting here. I'm still in the basement. Um, this is where I will remain for a while. But the cool thing about some of this or my recording equipment, the board and the mics, as long as I have that SD card in there, I can come to you. So if I got a buddy who can't leave the house or <clears throat> a guest who, you know, is more comfortable in their own home, I don't need a whole bunch. I'm hooked up to my Wi-Fi, but I'm not positive that that has to be that way because it just records straight into the SD card. Maybe you do have to be hooked up to Wi-Fi, but who doesn't have Wi-Fi? So that shouldn't be a problem either. So I can take this thing over to your house. We can talk for a while, bring it back home or take my computer there, whatever. But you bring it back home and then... uh Export it from the board, the SD card, straight to the desktop, and then you go from there. So it's kind of cool. I can be mobile. Um, so if you have got something you want to talk about, you never know. I might be showing up knocking at your door. So that part's pretty neat, man. I got the I was the equipment was the big one. I did those first three on my phone, and now we got real mics with pop filters. Can you hear that? So I got this big fat filter on there and uh, it's supposed to keep that noise kind of down. And But these mics are dynamic, so they're going to pick up stuff like, for instance, I have my air conditioner off for a little while, which if you live in St. Louis on Monday, August 21st, you know, is a silly thing to do because we've got another heat wave coming. But Alicia works upstairs and she has a hoodie on all summer long because she's cold all the time like girls are and i don't i don't understand that whatsoever so i turn the air up a little bit and uh, hopefully that won't kick on and if it does that's my air conditioner and then uh like i've told you before if echo comes down and barks 
That's my dog, and he's going to come down and bark. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's what's going on with the tech stuff, and uh, I think it's just going to remain this way, and we're going to be able to pump some stuff out. So now I can start calling guests and trying to line that up and talk with them and get Alicia on here and, um, you know, start going through the, the history and who I am and why I am and where I came from and who I came from. And, um, I want to tell you all about it. I, I'm going to try to be as transparent as I can be. Um, until I can't be like, you know, kid stuff, but I don't, I really don't care about talking about myself and my mistakes. Um, and my accomplishments. Uh, it's not all self-deprecating. That's got nothing to do with it, actually. Unless I'm just feeling that way. Um, so I plan on being open and, and letting you guys in. And with the goal, like I've said, if you listen to the first three, um, to try to help. Maybe somebody's going through the same thing. And, and I hope that uh, something makes sense and they um, can maybe curb their behavior or or any problems they might be having and understand that it's not that bad. I just went through a little depression phase myself and it is tough. It's tough to kind of bounce back from, but, um, you know, it's not that bad. It'll always get better. Oh, speaking of that mental health, we're not going to go all the way down that road yet, but while it's on my mind, uh, Tyson Fury has a, series out on Netflix and I was watching it last night this just kind of reminded me of it he has suffered from mental health issues his whole life his dad did and his dad said apparently his dad and his dad so Tyson's great gramp so it, it's a it seems like a genetic thing I don't know if that's real or not but I'm sure there's a scientist out there that does but so uh his dad said that and I think Tyson totally agrees that exercise is the only way or the best way um to kind of keep that mental health stuff in check. So I had some night shifts and night shifts are tough for me to sometimes keep on track. Some days I'll go a few night shifts and excuse me, totally keep on track with diet and exercise. And then sometimes I'm just tired. It flips your whole rhythm around. So you just get kind of messed up. But um, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that physical activity helps out with that mental energy big time. So, but we're going to get into that. I hope to have uh, a couple of my, or my one main um, therapist, Dr. Shapiro. I, I do, I got to get him. So if I have to travel out to his office and pay for like a session or whatever, that's what I'm going to do because he is a huge player in the fact that, in the, or, or a reason, one of the reasons why I'm still here talking to you on this killer shit. So I definitely want to get him, but. Back to other stuff, man. Sent the kids back to school today. I've got two sixth graders and a seventh grader. My oldest daughter is 12 and my twins are 11, the sixth graders. So good luck at school today. If you're listening to this and you have started school or about to, kiddos, go get them. Do good things. Um, yeah, so the kids are back in school. So house is a little bit quiet today. Got some night shifts tonight. It's a five to five shift, so it's a twelve hour shift. So you gotta 
rearrange your schedule and your sleeping and your eating and everything for a few days, and then you'll get a few days off and maybe go to more night shifts like I will or sometimes go to day shifts. So I am a lock and dam operator for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers at Lock and Dam 25 on the upper Mississippi River. Winfield, Missouri. What a town. If you are driving through Winfield, do not take your foot off the gas. There's nothing to see. So don't worry about that. It's a great career. I'm very lucky. Um, I got an opportunity, and it just it doesn't come around all the time. You used to have to wait for people to like die or definitely retire to get in with these core jobs. Uh, they're just good. The benefits are great and stuff like that. So most people don't leave. However, in the past few years, we've had some younger folks get jobs with us. And uh, I'm 40. So when I say younger, I'm talking like in their, you know, mid-20s and stuff. And um, whether it's the night shifts or I, I know it's not the physical labor because there's very little. As a matter of fact, if you don't want to do any physical labor, you technically don't have to. I enjoy that, but some guys don't. So um, there is, it can't be the physical labor. And most of these dudes are prior military, so that that, that just can't be the it. So it's got to be the night shift thing. And I know the one guy had trouble <clears throat> getting up and uh, shit like that, but... It's a it's a weird thing across like the work field or the workforce as a whole. And I'm sure you've noticed it if you've been out and about. Boy, that drive just isn't there anymore. And that's weird because what they're getting paid. You see, uh, you know, signs on like fast food restaurants, 15 bucks an hour. And when I worked at Cecil Whitaker's in Florissant, Missouri for, um, a few years when I was like, well, I got my work permit, my workers permit at 15 and a half or whatever it was back then. Like I was stoked on the 575 or whatever. So I don't understand. I mean, I do understand, but let's not, let's not go there. So that's what I do for a living. Um, been married since 2017. So I think that's going to be seven years. Once again, Alicia is pissed off already because I should remember that. That was, uh, we got another one coming up. So we're either going on seven or going on eight, whatever. Yeah, husband, father. Um, I have uh, my youngest, the twin boy. So my twins are boy and girl. My oldest is a girl. Um, my son just started his first season of tackle football. Had his first like jamboree game. Uh, Sunday, Saturday. So that was fun to watch. He got to start quarterback the last, they had a half hour games. It was just kind of a get used to things. So they did pretty well. Um, then I have my oldest daughter cheers for the same school. So sometimes she even cheers his games, which are cool. And then my youngest daughter, the other twin is a club soccer player. So that's what we do if I always tell people if I'm not at work. I'm on a athletic field of some kind uh, with one or two kids. 
or I might be dropping all three of them off if Alicia's got to work. So either she's going back and forth every day of the week or I'm going back and forth. Or if we both happen to be home, we'll split up and take kids where they need to go. So if you have children, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is crazy, but you got to stay busy doing something. So it's a good thing. I grew up uh, about a half hour outside of St. Louis, uh, Florissant Hazelwood area. Decent place to grow up. Had a great childhood. Um, this podcast is named PJ's Son. PJ was my mom. PJ stands for Patrice Janine. We all just call her, well, all the kids, my uh, nieces and nephews, and my kids all called her Grandma PJ, so that's where that came from. I know that might seem a little weird to name a podcast after your dead, uh, deceased mother. I think deceased sounds better than dead um, to some people. It's, it's the same thing to me. But my mom was always my biggest fan. Um, my dad was, uh, he was busy, outlaw motorcycle guy, and he had other stuff to do, so he wasn't around. He's local, and I did see him now and again, but it, he didn't um, he didn't play the role of a father that I wish he would have, for sure. So my mom and my older sister, Nikki, raised me. So I was raised by chicks, which I think was pretty beneficial. There's a lot of stuff that uh, being raised by women does teach you. You know laundry and taking care of yourself and how to like match clothes and shit from a young age. So there, there are a lot of pros to it. Um, <clears throat> I don't know about cons, but you know, having a dad around, I'm sure like to play catch with and, and learn about tools and stuff like that at a young age, that would have been cool, but I didn't have that opportunity. So, um, growing up, it was friends of mine who, friends of mine whose dad was in their life and active, you know, they would work on cars. And so I, I was always interested to be around the guys uh, working on stuff and, and, you know, cutting down trees and shit like that. Um, but I didn't have a whole bunch of those opportunities. So since I've been with the core, um, I've got some great dudes that I work with that are master fabricators and electricians and uh, carpenters and done all these, some of these guys there have, we, I mean, between all of us, we've done all kinds of stuff. So I've learned more. I mean, a lot about life too, uh, but you know, tools and, and um, not engineering, but just mechanical stuff and welding and, and shit like that. So I have a particular set of like street smart skills, which is cool. And it is beneficial. It does uh, serve you well in life. But, you know, changing oil and stuff like that, it's also important. So I've learned a lot about a lot. Uh, and these dudes I work with are all country-ass dudes. So, you know, just hunting and fishing and, and all kinds of cool shit that I just, you know, who, I don't know, where I'm from, you don't think about your grass that much in your lawn and what kind of seed to put down and what kind of grass you have and what that tree's called. And uh, we, I mean, we lived in apartments and duplexes. We rented my whole life. So we didn't own anything. So we didn't have to fix anything or maintain anything. That was on somebody else, which seemed cool at the time. 
just out of laziness, but uh, not knowing some of that stuff, it, it can also hinder your adult life. Because then you go buy a house and you go, I mean, I, of course, I know how to cut grass and stuff like that. But, you know, you just don't have the same opportunity. So learned a lot at work. Um, so it's it's been great. But anyway, so, um, yeah, my mom just always just had my back. Like, when I did wrong, she would have to punish me, you know, and, and be a parent, of course. But uh, we we just had a special bond, and she's my best buddy. And so uh, when she passed away a few years ago, it uh, it was a tough one on myself. And then my kids, I think more importantly, my sister, her kids, like it, anybody that knew my mom, we'll just call her PJ because that's what everybody knows her as. Anybody that knew her knows how special and cool and, and crazy and all that stuff she was. So um, it was a tough one, man. She died the day before my twin's birthday. So I leave the house and go for a run one morning. And uh, I don't know if I was even a half mile from the house, but I got a call from my sister in my AirPod, you know, my earbud things, you know. And uh, I could just hear it in her voice. And I, she was like hysterical, but all she said was mom. And I just said, I'm on my way. And I turn around. I think that was the fastest I've ever run anything. And I could run. Uh, but I, I knew what happened. And uh, <clears throat> my mom had had a stroke when she was 42. Um, and then she had some heart problems as she got a little bit older, had a, well, what's it called? Like they put like a pig's heart, I don't know, or a valve or something. I don't, Alicia remembers everything. I have a memory loss problem, but, um, so she had that taken care of. And then I think, man, it just, uh, it just caught up to her and that old ticker wasn't wanting to tick anymore. So, so yeah, she had some, uh health issues um and yeah that was kind of the what took her out so I sprinted home and I said hey Leash I need to talk to you real quick and she came in the bedroom and I said hey you know kind of told her and I'm like we've got to lie to the kids because I just didn't want them to like this that that thing be their birthday every year of their life you know and keep in mind, I forgot to say that this was at the beginning of the shutdown. So we were already going through enough, like, having to just adjust to that whole thing like everybody else did. So no need to go into that. But, um, yeah, so I went out there and she just had uh, died in her sleep. I can't think of a better way to go. I mean, you have to hope that, she, I, I mean, I hope she didn't have some crazy heart attack or something that like put her through any pain, of course, but, um, it fucking sucked, man. It wrecked me. And then, so we do the kid's birthday and just act like everything's regular, normal. And, uh, a couple of days later, I, I, you know, you have to tell them cause they're asking like, where's grandma PJ and shit. So I had to tell them and, uh, it just broke them. It crushed them. So, me being their dad, you know, I had to kind of just keep all that in. And, and it was tough because, like I said, that was my that was my best friend. That was my rock. Growing up, I had to be kind of the man of the house from a young age. So 
you know, when things were tough, like Saturday Night Live, Jim Carrey, Fire Marshal Bill, like I was always just trying to make every, my mom and sister laugh, you know, because things weren't always great growing up with a single parent and pretty poor, you know, I had great, great grandparents, not great, great grandparents. I had awesome grandparents who helped out my mom a lot. So, um, you know, we had support in that sense, but really we were on our own. So, you know, you got to kind of step up and be the man of the house from a young age, which is tough to do. But, um, we always made it through and, and my mom, my sister and I always laughed. We always had fun. So when she had her stroke, we were in a hospital and like she, I mean, it, it fucked her up. She, we had to go all the way back to speech and, and, you know, everything. She had to learn kind of everything over again. And I would just make fun of her the whole time. And the nurses were like, I don't know if that's a good, I'm like, listen, this is the way we do things. So this is how we're going to act. And I'm not going to change anything because she had a stroke. Cause then that would seem weird. So yeah, when I lost her, uh, it shook me up a little bit. I, you know what? I, my, my way of not coping, but I guess, um, finalizing it. I called her phone. I was home by myself. Kids were at school. Alicia was gone. I was home by myself and I called her phone and, uh, it was still turned on and, I got to hear her voice on her voicemail and I left her a voicemail and just broke for like 15 minutes. I mean, a good hard one. And, uh, and then that was it. That was pretty much it. And then you just got to go back to being strong for the family. So boy, I just brought this thing down. Didn't I? I'm not, this isn't supposed to be sad. I just want to, it's called, the podcast is called fucking PJ's son. So I figured like even friends of ours that didn't really know my mom go like, who's PJ? And so I just wanted to kind of explain that. Um, the history of my mom and I gets a little wild. Um, and I'll get into that. I promise you're going to know more about me than you might want to, but, um, my mom was just a great person. And so I thought, if I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to give it a shot, this podcast thing. If I have a fan in this world besides my wife and kids and they're fans of mine, when I like plug a tire, they all are like, uh, wire up a new kitchen light. They all stand there a couple times. I, Oh, you know what it was? A new doorbell. I wired up a new doorbell and I'm, I'm not an electrician. I understand a little bit about how an electrical current works. So I know enough to not kill myself, meaning just turn all the fucking power off. You know, that's the way I do it. But, uh, when I wired the new doorbell, I'm like, all right, let's give it a shot. And it, you know, one of the kids went out and rang the doorbell and it worked and it was so lame, but it's nice. You know, my whole family stood there and clapped and we're like, good job, dad. And <laughs> it's lame, but it's funny. So but if I had a bigger fan in this world, it was my mom. So I thought to myself, why not name it after her kind of? And I've never actually heard of another podcast with that kind of name. So if anything, we're being creative, folks. I want to go back on something I just said about um, our friends listening. 
I don't know who all of you people are and and it doesn't mean it doesn't matter exactly who you are or how I know you or don't know you but I've got to say thank you to everyone um who has listened to this thing because when you start to do something like this you don't think like I well okay I don't think this is in any way shape or form entertaining I don't see why anybody would want to listen to this. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But a lot of you have. And I'm talking like way more than I would have ever expected. So I just really appreciate you. If, if you're one of Alicia's friends and you just click the button and whatever, I am so thankful and it's still weird to me. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I've gotten some messages and some calls from some good friends, but we'll both at work and not. And you know that like, it's actually kind of entertaining so much, but something to listen to. And, uh, it's, it's real. It's, it's, it's who I am. So I just really appreciate that. That's pretty cool. And, uh, I'm going to keep going. I have said, and now that I'm going to say it on here, I've got to do it. So maybe I shouldn't say it, but I want to do at least a hundred of these and, see how it goes after that so thank you everyone at the risk of sounding too like whatever but you know the comments and the the listens and all that stuff it it, it helps and i'm getting emails from spotify saying you know congratulations on all these listeners so it's awesome thank you guys very much that's cool and uh it, it's gonna get a little it's gonna get a little wild so i appreciate it but what's weird to me is that the podcast I listen to, Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast, has been my go-to favorite podcast for a while. Um, Matt McCusker and Shane Gillis, they're both stand-up comedians. You would know Shane Gillis. He's the guy that got fired from SNL before he ever actually got on the show, which is hilarious. And then the reason he got fired is also hilarious because – it was so taken out of context and of course I'm a fan of his, so I'm going to stick up for him, but I listened to the show and then read about what people were saying about his comments. And it's completely ridiculous. He was making fun of himself. Um, and in this day and age, you can't, uh, I don't know. You free speech is a, a weird thing. Um, as far as, what the definition of it is and then what society deems is acceptable and not, which is fucking, it contradicts itself all over the place and it's hypocritical and everything else. So, um, but, but there, that that's my go-to podcast. And I got to tell you some of the times, man, on their, on their, uh, newer stuff, the, the early stuff, it's just two buddies. And it's like dick and fart jokes. And I think they're both comedic geniuses. So I'm not trying to simplify what they do down to dick and fart jokes. But if you were just to listen to it and not be looking for that, that's that's maybe what you would get out. As a matter of fact, Shane's dad, that's what he says. You just talk about jerking off with your buddy all the time. But a lot of times I'll have it in my, I'll have it playing and, uh, they're kind of not, there's not a, um, not a, not a script or like, I mean, they have points to talk about and they'll do history and 
they'll do different things, but for the most part, they're just kind of clowning. And I think that's great. Um, that's kind of a big motivator of mine. And of course you got the Rogans and all that stuff. So I think that's the coolest part about podcasting is that it doesn't necessarily have to be educational or informative or comedy. Sometimes it can be all the above. And that's what I hope to accomplish. Um, I, like I said earlier, talking about Tyson Fury, I have uh, mental health stuff myself, anxiety and, and PTSD and depression and stuff. And some of it's stemmed from the war. Um, others just from, I, I don't know, life. Um, my dad not being around had a lot to do with that. So I deal with that shit all the time. And so, uh, you know, that's going to play a big role in this. Um, for some of you that don't know me, I, um, got pretty spun out on drugs and alcohol for a few years. So I would like to, you know, <clears throat> if while I'm talking, whether it's veterans, whether it's Marines, whether, you know, I don't, I don't really care who's listening, but if, uh, I've said before, if, if one person decides not to use or take their own life or become physically active again and start working out and get, get their shit together and, uh, start enjoying life a little bit. If, if just one makes that change, man, I've, I've done everything I'm set out, I've set out to do. So that would be a complete mission accomplished for me. And so that's, um, that's kind of the goal. And I also just want to crack up and have fun with some people too. I am very far from perfect or fixed or um, any kind of a role model or anything to uh, look up to. But I do have some life experience and I've been through some really good and really bad. So kind of my way to, again, man, just see if I can help somebody. and Or like I said in the first couple just like while you're cutting the grass, be able to zone out for a little bit would be cool to me, you know. I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a Marine when I grew up. Uh, my mom took me to a car show at uh, McDonald's, if you're from here. It's uh, 270 North Lindbergh, that McDonald's has been there forever. There was a car show up there. I don't know how old I was, that like 7 to 10 range. Um, and I remember seeing a Marine and you know, some reason he has dress blues on. And I like asked my mom, like, what is that? And she said, that's United States Marine. And I don't know, something clicked. Uh, they say that we're not, Marines aren't made, they're born. Uh, I think I have to believe that. I have to believe it myself because of this story. So I believe that. I also believe that you can find it a little bit later on in life but for me it was when I at a young age so I didn't do that great in school I didn't I didn't think it was necessary I was busy chasing girls and trying to fit in and all that stuff so I didn't do great in school I never did ACTs and SATs I never looked into college it was um it was never I don't think supposed to be an option for me so um of course if I had applied myself it could have been but I didn't so you know, uh, Mrs. Ponass, shout out my uh, 
my high school counselor would call me down and go, Don, what are we going to do? You know, you're going to graduate next year, two years, whatever, what, what, what are the plans? It's a good time to start thinking about it now. Don't wait till the end. All good information um, and good points. But I told her from, I think you, you meet them like freshman year, and I told her that's what I was going to do, and it didn't change every year. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I went home one day. I did not have a vehicle of my own. And I asked my mom if I could borrow a car, and she said, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm going to go get signed up. This was my junior year, like later into my junior year. And she said, signed up for what? And I said, the Marines. And she was like, Dom, you know, we let's talk and let's make sure that this is what you really want to do. I said, Mom, this is all I've wanted to do my whole life. This is no surprise, so don't try to talk me out of it now, lady. And she didn't. She gave me the keys, and I went to the recruiter's office, and uh, I was the guy who walked in and pointed at the um, poster of the Force Recon-looking dude with the cool face paint, the cami paint, and uh, had the rope wrapped around him like an idiot that you would never really do. But um, or nor would you apply cami paint in that manner, really, uh, unless the terrain called for it. But I've never been to anywhere like that, so it was a good poster, though it worked. So <clears throat> I got signed up, and uh, and that was it. I was on my way. I started getting ready physically and stuff. Uh, took some personal fitness classes where, let's see, you would lift Monday, Wednesday, Friday, run Tuesday, Thursday. So started getting spun up and ready, and um, needless to say, I had one too many going away parties. One of those in particular, I got, I uh, was woken up by my mom. She worked for the USDA, Department of Agriculture, and uh, a federal employee. She got sent home and uh, came in my room and told me to turn on the TV. And both of the planes had already hit the World Trade Centers. So I didn't get to see that, but of course they were replaying it over and over and over. And so from what my recruiter had told me and what I had learned from Marines in the civilian world and everything else, I knew that being infantry and a Marine, they say also that we're the first to go and the last to know. I had a pretty good idea, um, and that came true. So... I left for boot camp on September 17th, a week later, <laughs> after 9-11. So, I mean, you know, as, as far as, like, graduating boot camp, going to the fleet, um, and then getting trained up, just time worked out to where we were pretty sure that this thing was going to be kicking off in our very near future, and it did. I'll go back on some cool uh, or funny, at least, boot camp stories and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to like this is my this is my second intro, not on my cell phone, sitting in the backyard with the uh, the rest of the world in the background. So I just wanted to kind of start over on this new platform and and kind of start from the beginning. So. You go to boot camp. I did all my time out in California 
MCRD, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, San Diego. If you've ever flown into San Diego, you look inland and you should see the sign that says, Making of the world's fine, uh, home of the world's finest United States Marines, something to that effect. I haven't been out there in a while, but it's, I think it's more to do with making of the world's finest United States Marines. So you do 13 weeks out there. It's looking back is fucking awesome. And at the time it was awesome too, but, um, you know, right when you get there, you're about, of course, nervous and all that stuff. So did that. And then, uh, after that, um, you go up to Camp Pendleton, and that's where I got assigned. Well, first you go to School of Infantry for another three months, and then I was assigned to 2nd Battalion, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division, Echo Company, baby. And that is my shit. All the boys, 2-1 Echo, uh, 3 Invasion, and 4 Fallujah guys. Shout out, dude. Love you guys. Miss you very much. Got to see most of you a couple months ago, but anyway. So, um, yeah, we got worked up and got ready to go. And on March 19th, 2003, invaded Iraq. Um, it was a pretty short first tour. Uh, very southern Iraq. A few cities down there we took and um, unfortunately lost... Our brother Jose Gutierrez that first day, uh, so that was tough on everybody. And then, um, yeah, so I came home from that. I forgot. I think we had a couple weeks, but uh, I know that it was like that Christmas New Year's time because all the bases closed down, so you get to uh, take a little bit of a break. And uh, so it was January thirtieth. So the day before. New Year's Eve, and I don't know why I was at home, but I was, um, when I came home, I was never really at home, I was out and about, so, for some reason, I stayed home that night, and, uh, my sister was dating a guy, and they were, they were kind of out of town, not like out of town, but they weren't home, my dad was in prison, and, uh, so, um, I was out sleeping on the couch, and I heard something, and I was waking up pretty easy still because I just gotten home from there. And uh, my mom kind of stumbled in from the back room of the apartment, and uh, she said something weird about the toys all over the floor, the kids' toys all over the floor, the kids being my sister's kids, my nieces, and uh, my nephew. I don't even know if my other niece was born yet. I'm sorry, Shar. Um, but she said the kids' toys all over the floor. And there was no toys all over the floor, so I figured she's probably sleepwalking. Um, and I just took it at that. So she went in and went to the bathroom, and then when she came out, she just had this look on her face. So I'm like, hey, come here, sit down, you know. And she sat down on the couch, and uh, she kind of was talking all fucked up. And, you know, it was really weird. I Something was wrong, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I know how to give you an IV and kind of patch you up if you get shot, kind of, like enough to stop the bleeding a little bit and, you know, keep you from going into shock, I mean, a little bit, but I don't know, I'm not, I don't know much. So I said, uh, 
hey, do you want something to drink? And she's like, yeah. She just kind of shook her head. So I went in and got her a glass of water. Now, my mom, before she worked for the USDA, was a bartender for most of my childhood. So I, and, and on top of that, like I said, how close we are, I know my mom very well. And when I came out to give her that glass of water, she grabbed it with her left hand. And that, for some reason, was a big flag to me. And I said, okay, now, I know you, and you've never grabbed anything with your left hand before. What's going on? And she had this look in her face, man, and it's like, it sucked because I know. What's up, buddy? Echo came down to see what's going on. Come here. Come here. I know um, that, you know, she was right-handed, and she just never, she never did that, so it freaked me out. So I called a friend of mine. Uh, her mom is a nurse. And uh, I said, hey, Connie, and I kind of told her a story. I'm like, something's going on. So she gave me a couple tests. Like she had my mom squeeze my fingers with both hands. And sure enough, the one hand, uh, so the stroke was on the left side of her brain, which affected the right side of her body. So um, there was a difference there I could feel for sure. Um, and then she had me stick out her tongue. She had me tell her to stick out her tongue, and it kind of like flopped out to the one side. So she's like, Dom. I think your mom had a stroke and you need to get her to the hospital. So I said, all right, we got to go to the hospital. So I got dressed real quick and I kind of just picked her up and put her in the Camaro. And sure enough, I mean, fucking luck. I get in the car and it's like on empty. Like, I know you've got a few miles to go, but I'm like, I'm not going to get stuck on the side of the road because I ran out of gas. So I had to stop at the fucking gas station and get gas. Um, and then uh, I go cruising down the highway, and again, as luck would have it, a Hazelwood police officer was on the side of the highway, and I think that 90 Camaro RS had that governor like 110 or something, but I had all of it, so he's out behind me, and I didn't stop. And so there were a couple other uh, officers that were in pursuit, and as I pulled up to DePaul Hospital, I got out real quick, which, of course, makes them nervous. So they drew down on me, which, of course, I understand. At this point, wasn't the first time I had been uh, had a weapon pointed at me, so I, I wasn't as fearful as I should be. Um, but also, what I was going through with my mom just had me freaked. So I said, listen, my mom just had a stroke. Let me get her inside, and you can take me wherever you want, man. Just give me one minute. And so they they, like... They saw that I was opening the door and, like, picked my mom up. Well, first, no, I'm sorry. I went and got her a wheelchair, brought it to the car, and they're just watching this whole thing like, what the fuck is this guy doing, you know? And uh, So I got her inside. They were cool with it. Um, they weren't cool with it, but they understood. I got her inside and got her back to where she needed to go. And, uh, yeah, the doctor said that uh, it's a good thing I was home. Um, the bleeding in her brain was pretty severe. So had I been out, out and about, I'm saying, um, bars in St. Louis back then, last call was 115, I think. And then you go to the casino and they serve alcohol until three, I think. And who knows what the fuck happens after that, after party or, or who knows. So 
Um, chances are we might have lost her that night and I not been home. I am not the hero of this story. I'm saying that it. I'm. I was very fortunate that for some reason I decided to stay home that night. When you are enlisted in active duty um, and something like that were to happen when you're at home, you have to call your command. So I called at the time Corporal Bugle. He's my team leader and my mentor and my motherfucker. What's up, dude? Um, he sent me on to call LT and, and, and call 2-1. And so I went up the chain of command that way. And uh, they told me, okay, we'll just... Uh, they basically set it up to where I was attached to the reserve unit in St. Louis. Uh, they're located up at the airport. Hold on a second. I got to let the dog out. I press pause and stop what I'm doing. And then I go to the door and he looks at me like, well, what are you doing? I'm like, dude, you look like you want to go out. So Echo's just. Well, you said you wanted to or you looked like you wanted to. You didn't say anything. You're a dog. So, um, yeah, I'm attached to the uh, reserve unit at the airport. Um, and basically, my orders were to, and I, I signed in, I checked in with them, and then my orders were to, um, you know, just, just be with my mom. She was in ICU for a while. They were able to stop the bleeding. Uh, so that part was cool. So basically, I, I checked on my mom, and I was there every day anyway. She was um, in a medically induced coma for a while, like I think like two months. Um, so I would be there most days, just kind of hanging with her. And then, you know, I would go check in with the reserve unit and they were all great up there. They were, they were awesome people. Um, they were non-infantry, um, reservists. So that was kind of redundant, but, um, so we would go PT once in a while and stuff like that, but they didn't do a whole lot. So, um, Two one echo. We we had orders. I mean, we pretty much had orders to go back to Iraq when we got home. So before I left for leave to come back to St. Louis, um, we had a good idea that where we were going and where we were going back to. So as time went on, two one eventually obviously had to leave, and they can't wait for. Dominic Masters, you know. Um, so I had a decision that I had to make, and this one changed the trajectory trajectory of my life uh, in a good way, I think, and a bad way. Um, my mom was still in a coma, and so being the only son and dad in prison, sister had a few kids. It's like, okay, so I guess you did have shot. Okay, anyway, um, I had a decision to make and that decision was go back to Iraq. The reserve unit was getting ready to deploy. Like I said, they're not infantry. And when I joined the Marines, I joined to fight that, that, and then, so that's why I joined. But then once I got there, the, the, the brotherhood and, and all that shit you hear about, it's more real than it, than what you hear. And the training was so much fun. And I mean, it sucked at the time. Don't get me wrong. Like we, you know, you don't enjoy all of it, but looking back, it was the best, it was the best thing ever. 
<clears throat> so I was in, not in a negative way, but I was given an ultimatum um, to go back with the reserve unit, which I talked to them and I'm like, so listen, what, you know, what are you guys doing? And they were going to be setting up chow halls and, uh, you know, doing supportive things, which is great. And it's, it's necessary and it has to happen, but it's just not me. Or get out with a humanitarian discharge, excuse me, which of course is honorable and everything. So um, I didn't think seeing what I had saw and knowing what was going on over there uh, since we had gotten back, it was getting worse and IEDs and, and all that stuff that the Taliban, it was really starting to pick up. So, and I know that, uh, you know, a lot of these reserve units, they're like in vehicles and <clears throat> that's just not a place you want to be. So I kind of weighed that out. And uh, I, so I wasn't able to go back with 2-1. I'm at the hospital one day and my mom finally wakes up. And she's like, you know, what are you doing here? Like, it, not, she didn't say it like that because she wasn't able to speak that well. But I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm here with you, and and it's fine, and don't worry, and everything. And uh, because she had, she knew, she remembered. That's all I wanted to be. And when I graduated boot camp and stuff, I was just as happy as ever. So, and then like uh, when I came home from the war. I just remember movies and shit. You know, you always show up to see your mom in uniform. So. Like flying home from California, I had my Charlies um, all pressed and I got all my my ribbons on and everything. And uh, they wanted me to put them through the on the conveyor belt, like through the machine. And I said, that ain't fucking happening. They're like, well, then you're not getting on the plane. I said, I'm getting on the plane. I'm not putting my uniform in that thing. And then security and everybody came over. And luckily, uh, whoever was in charge of their security, the captain or somebody was, he was a Marine too. And he understood. So he let me go. So my mom got to see me come home from war and, and all this stuff, but she knew that I had plans and, and I wanted to stay. I don't know about lifer. That's a, that's a tough thing for anybody to say, much less somebody who's been out for 20 years. So I'm not the dude that's going to go, I was going to be a lifer and a sniper and a recon. I don't, I won't, I won't say anything like that because I don't know. But I wanted to at least try to be a drill instructor and, and some other, like, you know, try for some some really cool stuff. But so 2-1 left, and uh, the reserve unit was like, well, listen, you, you know, you can go back with us or you can get out. And uh, last-ditch effort, I'm like, well, what if I get a ride over there with you and then link up with two one and get back to work. And they're like, that's not the way this happens. You're with us and you're with us. <clears throat> and I just, uh, not a gambling man. So I got out a little early, a little bit less than three years, which, uh, which was a bummer, but two one echo along with other units and allied forces, of course, went back, the second time in 2004 to Fallujah, Iraq. And if you know history or I'm sure you've heard that name Fallujah, it was the deadliest place in the world for that period of time. Um, talking to the guys when they got home, uh, most of my fire team, uh, we lost or 
got really, really banged up. I mean, uh, these guys, they, they went through some, some hell, um, trying to recover from this stuff and some of them haven't. And so, uh, I never really asked what happened. Um, now keep in mind, this is 2004. So cell phones weren't quite what they are now. Um, so there wasn't social media and, and anything like that. So I kept in contact with uh, the one guy Gomez, who just always knew how to get a hold of everybody. He still does. Um, but <clears throat> I, so I learned what happened. I learned uh, that we had gotten hit pretty hard, and that was all I wanted to learn. I didn't want to know exactly how it happened because then, you know, I would, uh, I'd be able to see my brother's faces and kind of have that image of, of what was happening to him. And I just didn't want to do that. Um, I decided to drink and forget about it. And that wasn't a good idea either, but not that long ago I went to, uh, a two one, it was an Oh three and Oh four deployment reunion, mostly Oh four though. But I got invited because I, I wasn't able to meet some of the guys that went in Oh four and, I wanted to meet them and apparently some of them wanted to meet me. So I got invited to go and I say invited. It's like they're the best dudes in the world. Anybody could go, but it's just, it was a privilege and honor to be invited amongst all these great warriors. So, um, uh, one night it was just a long weekend thing down at this beautiful cabin in Oklahoma, broken bow, Oklahoma. It was, it was fucking great. Um, but one night <clears throat> it ended up being, Mostly second platoon guys. Uh, you know, there was a couple other guys. We were all in this one big room. but um, And I asked. And I kind of just needed to know, like, here we are uh, 20 years almost later. And I just didn't have that closure. And I think I needed it, you know, because I, I dealt with the, like, survivor stuff and... Uh, I don't know. I always thought that if I, if I could have been there, I could have done something. Um, I was a, I loved it. I loved the job and I don't know. I don't know. I hope I was a hard charger. I think I was, but I think that would be for some other people that you might hear from soon. So stand by, but, uh, that'd be for somebody else to call you. I don't think you get to call yourself a hard charger necessarily. But I did love the job and the guys and all that stuff. So I needed that closure finally. And boy, oh boy, did they give it to me. Um, at one point, they actually had Fallujah pulled up on, a, on like a Google map and it just kind of like went through the story. And uh, <clears throat> they, you know, we were... 19, 20, and 21 through 03 and 04. So they had been able to tell this story a hundred times, more than that, right? To therapists or, or podcasts or whoever they were talking to. They, they've told this story a lot. So they didn't hit me like um, on some like depressed they were like fucking all animated and you know just how we are. That motherfucker blew up. I could Costello told me you could see through his foot in three different places from a mortar round. And I like, you know, 
me hearing it, I just, I just automatically feel guilty and feel bad and like fucking poor guys, you know? I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine the pain and, uh, riding in the back of a Humvee while your buddy takes his last breath and shit like that? I mean, it's, it's like, it's just horrifying. Um, and especially when you've been through everything you've been through with these people, you know, I mean, we fucking knew each other inside and out the, the jokes we told each other and the, the thing, the names we call each other are just horrible. And it, there's no such thing as being politically correct. And I mean, as a matter of fact, it's fucking illegal. Most of the shit that we would say to each other, but that was how we knew how to cope. Whether it was raining or hot or cold. It didn't make any sense to bitch and complain because A, we're all going through it together. B, no one gives a fuck. So we took it like, let's have as much fun as we can while we're in this situation. So um, they, you know, while they're telling me this story, they're like sense of humor and, you know, I mean, it's just fucked up. Uh, it's just, it, it, it was also crazy to me, but... um it gave me so much closure and I, and I told all of them this too, uh, that I have, I had never felt, and I've been sober for, uh, well, I guess seven years, 2016, September 21st, 2016. And today's August 21st, 2023. So September's coming up. So I've been sober for a while. Um, but I never felt fortunate to be alive. Like I did, you know, don't get me wrong. I I'm very fortunate to be alive and I'm very happy with my new life and, and all that shit. But knowing what they went through and then them being able to tell me, Dom, we were over, we were smoking a cig and you know, you're not supposed to be that close together and all this other shit, but we were anyway. <clears throat> and then, uh, how they got hit. And it's a really fucked up story, and uh, maybe we'll get into it. I don't know. But they they were able to tell me that I would be just as mangled or non-existent as some of them and some of our other brothers. So knowing that, it just gave me this new outlook on life, period. You know, because I'm so lucky. Costello, I think had, I don't, I don't know, 19 surgeries or like something. It was probably more than that, dude. I'm sorry. He'll be on here. So don't worry about it. He'll tell you the whole fucked up story, but I think he was in a wheelchair for two years. Hyenga's calf is gone. I mean, like these dudes, it's, it's wild. And hopefully they all come on here and we get to talk to all of them. Um, but it gave me a very new perspective on everything. Uh, and it was great. It was a really heavy weekend, but it was necessary for me. And so I thanked them all and, you know, and then, and then they told me like, um, because when I made that decision to get out, I had to go back to California and get my truck and get all my stuff. And I actually, uh, picked up corporal, um, the day that I left. So. I got E4 in two years, motherfuckers. Kiss my ass. I was, I had to have been some kind of a hard charger. <laughs> but, uh, 
So I had to go back and see all these guys and tell them that I had to leave. And, and that fucking sucked because I just figured they'd all think I was a pussy and, you know, took the easy way out. And it, it just couldn't have been further from the truth. And, and no one ever said anything like that to me. They all completely, or they all at least said they understood. Well, when I see all these guys as banged up as they were all these years later, every one of them, and whether it was to make me feel good or not, which I don't know if I agree with, because if somebody's going to tell you the truth, it's a fucking company of United States Marines or a platoon or a fire team. There's no punches pulled. So, um, but like when I saw them all for the first time in all these years and hugged everybody and I just, you know, I, I had to say, I'm sorry. Um, and they had all heard how sorry I was from fucking Gomez, but, uh, they all very much reassured me like, dude, we totally get it. You pussy, you know, quit, you know, and like we would have done the same thing and it's your mom. And cause they all knew my mom, you know, they knew about her and, and how close we were and stuff. So, um, it made me feel, they made me feel really okay with my decision that I, I hadn't felt that good about in all these years. So it was important. It was a, it was an awesome thing. Um, and I was able to, uh, do a lot of forgiving, uh, to myself. And, um, I needed that pretty bad cause I held on to it heavy and I still do. Don't get me wrong, but I, now I know. And like, I think I said before, it sounds really fucking selfish and I do understand that, but I am lucky. I am so lucky that I didn't have to go back with them. And, uh, and I know that now. So, um, <clears throat> and I have known that, but it, hearing it from them made things easier for me. So that part was cool. So, I mean, the story, you know, that's a brief military kind of, uh, little description. There was so much that happened in, in that time frame, And then, um, after that started the alcohol and then then came the painkillers and then the drugs and so it gets a whole lot uh deeper and we'll go there but um i realized it had been a couple weeks since i had put anything out and now that i got this stuff set up and i've got a pretty good idea on how to work it uh i just wanted to get something going so that was kind of like intro number two if you will so we're gonna start this thing over and um, go from there, but I just wanted to come back and, and talk and kind of start from the bottom. <clears throat> I don't mean for this one to be like somber or sad or anything. That was just like, uh, as we move on from here, you'll hear things that I say that you can go, oh, that's when he was talking about school infantry or whatever. So just kind of give you a little baseline, but Things are good now. Um, there's always still struggles, but you figure out how to get through them. Like I said, for me, um, the the working out thing and the running and stuff like that, it, that's good for the mental health. And then this, I've noticed since I kind of, I've wanted to do this for a long time. Excuse me. And uh, I always thought I had good ideas. 
And you never know if it's going to work out or not. But then again, I didn't know if the Marine Corps was going to work out either. And it turned out, well, it turned out fine. I mean, it was a great experience. So this, this is going to be too. Um, it's a creative endeavor. It's like, so if I exhaust myself physically, which I try to do every day, um, this brain of mine, it's one of those ones that doesn't stop. So from the second I wake up, well, and then it just doesn't stop. So, um, I guess until I go to sleep and that's a, that's a fucking tough order too most nights. So, um, it's a creative endeavor. And, and since I've been kind of messing around with it in the past few weeks, I noticed that I just like, I'm, if I hear a song and I'm like, Oh, that could be a good intro for so-and-so or, and I don't know if I'm going to do shit like that. I don't know what I'm going to do. Why don't you guys help me? Um, you know, write me comment on one of these, wherever you're listening to this at. And uh, you know, if you got ideas or critiques or what, I mean, I, if you tell me I suck, I'm going to laugh my ass off. So that'll be funny. Tell me how horrible it is and it'll make me laugh. So, um, but it's given me something to kind of focus on. And, you know, when the day's over and, and we've gotten through practices and now we got homework, making lunch for the next day, um, whatever, I can make my own lunch for the next day and all that other shit. It's like I can go downstairs and just hit record on this fancy-ass soundboard and uh, kind of be creative. So it's, it's that other thing to, to try to exhaust my brain like I try to exhaust my body so I can rest. So it's been, um, like I said, with the tech stuff, it had me thrown off. But, um, you know, I, I told myself I was going to do something. And uh, <clears throat> I have been known to, and I, I know a lot of guys are like this. My couple buddies are like, we get into something hardcore and then like you go buy all the shit for it. And then a couple months later, you're not, it's in the back of the garage and you don't even mess with it anymore. So, um, I don't want that to be one. I don't want this to be one of those things. So, um, it doesn't matter how like good or successful or whatever the right word is. It is to me. It matters that, I don't know, telling some funny stories and, and some good stories and entertainment and military, non-military, drugs, whatever. That That's important to me, so I'm going to keep doing it. But it's uh, it's given me something else to focus on, and that, that's been, it's been pretty helpful. And it's exciting. It's fun. I, I kind of like this. Like I said, I sat downstairs with my daughter yesterday, and uh, she is so much like me, my youngest one. Um, we get hyper-focused on something and uh, just want to execute and, and, and do it well. And, you know, if we can't, it's like we get anxious and nervous and all this other stuff. So talking to her yesterday, so I, oh, okay, I'm sorry. We talk constantly. She doesn't quit talking, as a matter of fact. So um, we are always always she is always talking and I, I try to fill in when I can but uh when she came down yesterday I just text her because I hooked all this shit up <clears throat> so I text her and said hey come downstairs real quick because I don't want to yell into the mic because it's ridiculous to text your children who are upstairs it's your own home um but she uh she came down and I said hey put on those headphones and 
She loved the way she could hear herself and she liked the little uh, sample buttons, the sound buttons and stuff. So we played around for a little while and then we just kind of started talking. And it was a it was a different kind of conversation than we normally have, like in a really refreshing way. Like, but she it was funny. She she knew where the mic was supposed to be and how she was supposed to kind of sound. And, you know, when she would have to cough or something, she would like move the mic out. of It was funny. But uh, but I don't know. She she had a lot of fun with it, and and so I I do too. Um, but maybe you know she was talking about maybe starting her own podcast and and talking about what it's like to have a dad like me, and and you know maybe if you're listening to this in the car with your kids. I know the stuff I listen to, I don't let my kids listen to because it's wild, but maybe it could help your kids. You know, hey, when dad, like when you hear his voice kind of going up a little bit, maybe shut it down, get your brother, go read a book or like go find something else to do instead of continuing to bicker and complain about whatever silly thing you're bickering and complaining about because it's going to get your dad maybe fired up if it's one of those days and and then uh, she wanted to talk about soccer and her grandma and, and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know. Who knows? We'll see where it goes. But like I said, man, as long as we're having fun, um, that's what I'm here to do is maybe help. So, all right. Well, thanks for checking this out. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to ask you to do anything. But if you want to like or comment or something, that'd be cool. Um, other than that, I'm going to get this one out and then... Uh, I don't know exactly the the order of things, but guests are going to start. I've talked to some people, and uh, that's going to start. So I will be interviewing soon and um, come down and maybe just talk. Maybe just do some little 15-minute ones. If I'm going through some shit or, or uh, you know, some kind of a helpful thing that I've learned for the day and could come down and share, I'll, I'll throw that over to you. So, all right, man. I appreciate it. Uh, you guys be good. Try to do something nice for somebody else. We'll talk to you soon.